0: Welcome to the Process Podcast. From New Agent Two. to owner. My name is Travis McClure. This is my co-host, Preston Guyton. Welcome to the Process Podcast. This is Travis McClure with my co-host Preston
1: Guyton. Preston, how are you doing today, sir? Good, man. Can't complain. Man, what have you been reading lately? You tell me about this book you've been reading. So, yeah, another good thing about running is I I never really listened to audible books. I would read, you know, when I was flying somewhere or whatever, I'd read. But I've been listening to um, audibles since I started running about a month and a half ago, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So the one I just finished, Relentless, just finished that uh, this morning. Tim Grover? Yep. What do you think about that book? It was really good. I mean, you know, it went from probably the best audible i ever listened to although that's a limited amount you know right. endure but it was good it, it was different than you know endure but it was it's was still a really good book so, so
0: relentless i listened to that probably two years ago maybe um it breaks people down into different categories right it's like a cleaner a closer what's the other one
1: it's so it's cooler that's it closer cleaner
0: cooler closer cleaner one thing I remember like stuck out to me about that book, Preston, like the cleaners, they're like your. You can give sport analogies and you can use them in business, but they're your Michael Jordans, Kobe Bryant's. Um, they're the people when the game's on the line, you want them to have the ball in their hands. They're the ones that aren't going to wait. They're going to take action in a business
1: setting, right? They're yes, the people, hundred percent. Yeah, that they, and they're not going to be loud about it. You know, what I mean, they like Pat. Pat Riley was another one he talked about. And like a lot of times you'll see people in, you know, celebration after a win and a lot of people will be celebrating. And then you see the person over there, it's almost, in you know, they're kind of subdued and, mm-hmm. and almost in the corner and celebrating, but not like a lot of the other ones. And so that's the thing with a cleaner they They typically, they don't celebrate very long and they're already thinking about what they're doing next.
0: An interesting story about Tim Grover, the author, that he's the trainer, quote, I'm using air quotes, the trainer for like, say, Kobe Bryant but it wasn't like physical trainer. Yeah. He did physical training with them, but it was a lot of like mental, basically coaching.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean a lot of, you know, when somebody hires them, like he says, it's 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. Yeah. Whenever they need them, they call them, you know, sometimes they slide away and fly up to Chicago to his gym and spend time with them. And sometimes it's not physical, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. it is physical, but he said a lot of times it's, it's mental, you know, it has to get people out of the headspace they're in.
0: I think about John John Chaplak's kind of like your Tim Grover.
1: Yeah. 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 Exactly.
0: <laughs> Interesting about that book too. Like you said, you talk about the cleaner. I always think about cleaners. It made me think like that I'm going to use the word and I'm probably wrong using it. You can correct me, but like they're like an extreme personality. They're like like a David Goggins would be a cleaner to me. Um, maybe even Cameron Haynes, where it's like they achieve and they just keep that's not good enough. They're just what's next. Right. It's like, what's next? What's next?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've in coaching with John like there's a lot of cleaners in that, in that crowd, you know, they're never, never happy with where they're at. They're always, you know, they're happy with where they're at, but as far as like, they never feel like, you know, they're at the top level, they Mm -hmm. could always push through it. And then, you know, closer is different than cleaner cleaner. Usually they don't complain about things. You know, where the closer would be somebody that would complain and you, you know, they would have a loud voice and all that. But, um, but he compared it to like LeBron James would be a closer and then Michael Jordan would be a cleaner. Yeah. Which you think about that, like you never really heard, you know, playing days of Michael Jordan. He wasn't very vocal in the press. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't complaining about getting hurt or falling down or somebody touching him. It was, it's a total different player.
0: Yeah, and to use the word of the the title, Relentless. And th- did Tim Grover work with Michael Jordan as well? I don't remember. He did, one. yeah. So okay. that was
1: the first big name he worked with. Um, he actually, that was, so he, he kept applying to sending letters to all the players from Chicago Bulls and, you know, sent them to everybody other than Michael Jordan because obviously he didn't think he had a chance. He's like, you know, I've never coached any athlete. And he, you know, the coach, the trainer called him one day and invited him to Michael Jordan's house and they talked. And then, you know, he, he didn't know what was going to happen and a week later, called him again, showed up at his house. I think that's the way it went. And, you know, he didn't know why he was going there. And, and Michael was like, OK, you know, I want to hire you. And, you know, the rest is history. I think he worked with him 15 years.
0: Yeah. Uh, talking to you about that book makes me want to I'd love to go back and re-listen to books yeah. cause that I do recall that's Relentless by Tim Grover. Great book.
1: Yeah, it's funny. The story, the, the ending story when, you know, Michael Jordan retired and, you know, he told him, he goes, if I ever see you in my neighborhood again, I'm going to and shoot your ass. <laughs> so, you know, they had a good relationship, but yeah. he, he you know, he pushed them and, and that's yeah. what he did. I mean, when players would go see him and he, they, he would push them to the limit or pass their limit where a lot of them were throwing up and everything else, but like he worked with Wade as well. And, you know, when Dwayne Wade had knee injury and everything else he was going through, through the playoffs mm-hmm. he went down and helped him and he's like you know i can't fix your knee but i could help you with your knee where you could finish the playoffs and you're going to end up needing surgery but you know if you work with me and listen to me i could get you where you could at least finish the series
0: yeah i think about uh cleaners we t- we say a lot on this show you know cleaners to me they seek out people who are going to tell them what they need to hear they're not looking to be around people that tell them what they want to hear that's right right and we're I uh, i believe a closer or a What's the other? What's the other term? Cooler. Cool, coolers seek out comfort, right? Yes. That's typically, it. But.
1: All right, Preston.
0: Let's jump into our episode today. Let's talk about the market. Some news yesterday about the economy. Um, are we gonna? We're we gonna use the R word in this episode.
1: I don't. I think they changed the definition. We've changed <laughs> a lot of definitions in the United States over the last three years, two years it seems. Um, we're not going to get into that, but it seems like we've changed a lot of definitions of who we are and what we are and everything else but yeah i guess the mm-hmm. uh the past definition of recession which is still the definition of recession based on the news yesterday we are in a recession yeah which i think a lot of people and we talked about this a month ago that we pretty much already knew what the data was going to come out and prove that we're in a recession but like i shared yesterday i mean just do what you do you know focus right. on what you're doing instead mm-hmm. of the headlines and everything else so we're in a recession so what how's that going to affect you on your daily life keep pushing through and keep focusing on you and let's stop talking about it and get to work
0: what are they talking about in terms of interest rates i mean that's that does directly impact our business somewhat um what are they saying what are they expecting for the rest of the year in terms of interest rates which are impacted by inflation right
1: yeah so they raised uh Three quarters of a point yesterday. So that was raised, federal rate was raised yesterday, announced. It didn't really have much, it had a little bit of movement in the 30 year rate yesterday. But really, what those are going to affect are like the investment accounts. And when I say investment accounts, like the uh, business lines of credit, um, you know, majority of home equity lines of credit are based on that number. So it's, you know, prime plus 1% or whatever it is. So you're going to see that where it starts affecting people, especially if they have, say, they have a lot of debt on their HELOC. You know, there's going to be, you know, their payment just went up, you know, 2% roughly in the past three, four months, five months. So so it's going to create some demand to sell,
0: but I think the good thing to think about, I think anybody uh, our age, like 40 and over, we, we kind of think back to 2007. I feel like a lot of people I talk to about my age, they have very they were somehow impacted most people in our in our generation were somehow impacted two thousand seven two thousand and eight, and they kind of see that looming and where I think this is a lot different, yes, you have some stuff creating seller demand. There's still an awful lot of buyer demand out there as well, at least we're seeing that in our market,
1: yeah, I mean it's gonna be i mean somewhat market specific, right you're gonna see slowdowns in certain areas more so than others, but I think that's more tied to you know how crazy did the prices get, yes. You know, some markets the prices went up. You know, two to three x over the last, you know, four or five years or whatever it is. But I mean, like our market's still affordable. There's still it's going to be based on we have people every day that have to buy, right? So we have you know, healthcare is a big industry in our market because a lot of the people that move here, are 60 years old and older, and you know they have to go see doctors and that they see healthcare providers and everything else. So you know, the demand is always going to be there because. People need to move. People need to sell houses to take new jobs. People need to buy houses to, you know, and the (laughs) rental market here, like many other markets is expensive and there's really not a whole lot of rentals out there. So I think, you know, I think we'll, we'll see a slowdown, but you know, what I tell some of the realtors too, you're going to see a lot of people drop out of this business. So less realtors, less sales, you know, commissions not pushed down so much to where, you know, people want you to list their house or three percent or whatever that percentage is, I think you'll see more, you know, higher commissions and less sales, but you also have less real estate agents.
0: Yeah. And we talk a lot about that. And you said at the beginning of this conversation is focus on what you can control, focus on what you can. We talk a lot about there's the market and then there's our market and our market's different. And then when I say our, I mean, Palms Realty, our agents, because we're taking action. Yeah. We're not just sitting back and letting it happen to us.
1: That's right. Yeah. And, you, you know, you keep moving forward and keep taking action, you know, even in two thousand seven, eight, nine, I mean, when you you gotta change and you know, trends maybe move in different directions, but there's there's always opportunity in a changing market. It's just you gotta quickly realize what you got to do and move towards that new direction. And like I said, there's opportunity in every scenario.
0: Yeah. Seven, eight, nine, there's agents that and companies that grew great businesses. Yeah. It happened right? Because they took a lot of action. And I thought it was interesting press in this past week, every Wednesday, we do a sales meeting in our company with all our agents. And last half of that sales meeting, we did basically a mastermind session because I thought it was pretty interesting. We've had a a, a really good month as a company, right? We've had agents having a lot of success and there's agents also kind of feeling the, the change in the market. So I feel like if you're going to have a mastermind session, no better time than any, So let's talk about what challenges we're having and what's going well. And essentially, those are the two questions we ask. Um, And the first challenge that came up, I wanted to break a few of them down with you, was just showing your value at a listing appointment, right? Um, You know, uh, you go to a listing appointment and somebody wants you to charge 1% on that listing side or 3% total or whatever that looks like. Um, I thought that was interesting. That was the, the first challenge that was brought up.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you got to continue showing value. And if you believe your values, you know, at a certain percentage or whatever it is, I mean, sometimes you're going to to say no. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're going to have to say no to those listings and, you know, and just continue doing, because you know how much time you spend in it, right? Like if somebody's charging a less of a commission, maybe they're willing to do it for less money, or maybe they're just not offering the same things you're offering. You know, I think you just continue to provide value and, and show what you can do. And, you know, basically sometimes you going have to say no, sometimes yeah. you gonna have to say no to taking a listing and, you know, that's not the end of the world. I mean, there's always, if you continue to do the work and can you continue to move forward, there's going to be more opportunities out there. So it's like, you know, don't jump on every listing just because you feel like you have to. I think
0: one of the things that was talked about in the mastermind session and I've, you know, when I taught, Teach and train agents around listings, there there's really a threefold approach around that. Number one is your mindset. Cost is only really an issue in the absence of value. And I always use the example of, you know, what kind of car do you drive? Right. There's Teslas in the parking lot. You can absolutely get a much cheaper car, but somebody saw value in that Tesla. Right. So have that mindset of, you know, whatever I'm up against, whether it be that value brand listing company, I I show value. And I challenge the agent to go back and look at that value brand listing company, what's their percentage of listings that have sold in the last year? Maybe it's 60, 70, 80%. What's yours? Yours is probably like 97 or 98%. Number one, you cause homes to sell. So you you show value. Number two is be able to speak to the market, be able to speak to what's happening in their neighborhood around price that builds confidence in them to work with you versus somebody who just goes in and says, well, what do you want to list the price at? Okay, let's do that. Yeah. If you can speak intelligently about what's causing homes to sell from a pricing perspective, that's going to build confidence in them to work with you, which increases your value. And then the last part is you got to go in with a rock solid, I think, marketing plan. What are you going to do to make sure that house was adequately exposed to the buyer market, right? Whether it's an open house plan, whether it's using websites like Easy Home Search, whether it's leveraging your buyer database, go in there with a one sheet or whatever that looks like and be able to speak to your marketing plan. You got to be able to show a tremendous amount of value and that's how you overcome that. Yeah, for sure. The other challenge they talked about kind of along the same lines was seller expectation around price, which I think is pretty interesting because right, there's a lots of talk about the economy. There's lots of talk about the real estate market. And I think it's interesting because Preston, and that's been a challenge I've heard agents say over the last month or so, where a lot of times people will hear what they want to hear. A lot of times sellers are still in this mindset of like, it's a hot market. I can charge, well, last house sold for this. I'm just going to increase my price 20%. We're going to throw it out there and I'm going to get it. And even in our market where there's still some buyer demand, the market's saying no to these overpriced homes. Uh, What are your thoughts around that? Managing seller expectations.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, the, and the same thing, like you said, just know the data and know the market. I mean, like we're seeing many, many more price reductions now. And what does that tell us? You know, not that the market's necessarily slowing down. It, it shows us that people are not willing to pay those prices. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're starting to see a lot more price reduction. So when you go into those meetings with clients, you then know, show them that and then show them, you know, if you overprice it, show them the data that shows that, most likely they're going to get less than what they would have gotten if they priced it accordingly from the beginning. You know, just showing that data and, and and helping them and educating them, you know, where whether a lot of them hear it from their neighbor or friends down the road that, you know, we listed our house and it sold in six days mm-hmm. and we had 14 offers. Sure, that might have happened three months ago. It's not happening as much now in the days of, you know, listing a house and, oh, this one sold two months ago. Let's raise the price by five or 10%. Right. And the next house would sell. I mean, those days are, they're gone. I mean, they're not happening. We see it, especially in the condos around here, you're starting to see it, you know, the prices start to come down quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Or especially when there's six or seven units listed in the same building where a year ago there was none. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, even <laughs> months ago. Right. So you go back yeah. to January, February, or March, we were, you know, pulling up oceanfront condos buildings that maybe one or two listings. And now there's like 20, you know, 15 mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, it, and it it tells me that it's you know, there's still buyers out there there's still people looking for those types of properties that are just not willing to pay those prices.
0: Yeah, and I think the biggest thing when you're talking to sellers, price should never be your opinion. Once they give you an opinion and now you're trying to battle on back with opinion, I, I guarantee you're going to lose that battle almost every time, right? It's just opinion versus opinion and they're going to think they're right. Price should always be based around facts and data. You know, you should bring your solds with you. What is what is the market said yes to in their neighborhood or their building? Um, what you bring expires and withdrawn, if there's any, there might not be any. And if there's not, that's when you leverage days on market of actives, right? So you yep. bring that information with you as well. And they're trying to price way up here. And there's you know statistical data that shows when someone's trying to do that, they've expired and withdrawn or somebody's trying to do that. And they've sat on the market for six months and had to take five price reductions. You use that data to your advantage. That's, that's not your opinion, that's data. And you say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, Listen, we can try that, but let me ask you this. How does that affect you and your family if your house is still on the market six months from now? Yep. That's the question to ask, right? Um, the other opportunity agents we're talking about in our meeting, Preston, which I thought, not it's not new, I've heard it before, um, is on the buyer side. A lot of buyers out there want to sit on the sidelines and they say, hey, we're just waiting on the market to crash. Which I think is a pretty interesting one. What are your thoughts around that?
1: Yeah. There's going to be people that, that have to buy though. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's going to be the ones that, you know, you're not going to necessarily be able to talk them into buying. Like if they're hell bent on the market's going to crash, reading the headlines and everything else, it really goes to, you know, where they're at. What do they need to achieve? When do they need to buy? Mm -hmm. Does it really make more sense to rent for a year or two and have nothing to show for it or buy where they could still buy? And a lot of times pay less for a house than it would be to rent and, and, you know, have no equity based on renting for the two years or whatever it may be.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Like if you're rent and rents have gone way up, like way higher than what like home prices have. Like, so yeah. if you're renting, let's say a, a I don't know, a four bedroom house in our market for $3,000 a month. And yeah, I get like, you're waiting on this and interest rates are high, but like, if you or higher, I should say, if you can go out, if we can go out and find you a, like the same house and have a mortgage payment for $2,000 a month, right? Or something like that. You're saving a thousand dollars a month, right? Like for the average family, I know there's a lot of people who go out there and pay cash or do this or do that. But for the average family, a thousand dollars a month is a lot of money or $500 a month is a lot of money. You can always remortgage the house five years down the road. If interest rates go the other direction, right? I mean, thousand dollars a month is a lot of money to save. And I think you talk about that, but also, A a question to overcome that objection, I've heard uh, some agents in our office use very skillfully is well, where did you get that information from? I believe Bill Pipes talks about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Jason Devlin said it in our office as well. Um, You know, a lot of times they're just hearing it through somebody that has no knowledge of it, mm-hmm. you know, and give them, educate them and send them the data we see and everything else. And if they're just, like I said, a hell bent on, that's the way they feel. And, you know, they think they're going to get a house for 20 or 30% six months from now, which I don't see that happening, but yeah. you know, you can't, you can only talk, educate somebody and see what the response is. And if they still have, you know, oh, we're going to wait, then, you know, you can't force them to do it. Right. So
0: and then we jumped over in our meeting. Uh, we started talking about, hey, what's going well? So we've had some agents have some really good months this past month. Um, obviously proactively calling in a database, uh, lead generation, lots of different sources out there. I know for our agents, easy home search is a great one. Uh, we have some that, you know, do some uh, red X prospecting, you know, just calling just lists that just sold. But as interesting, the first hand that shot up and the first response we got to what's going well is good old fashioned tried and true sphere of influence. Yeah. What are your thoughts around that?
1: Yeah. I mean, definitely the, you know, the people that you've sold to in the past are, you know, really the easiest one to sell again. I mean, most likely you had a good relationship with them. You know, everything went well. I think it's 80 or 90% of people say they would use the agent again. So definitely reach out to them because a couple of things and you shared it as well, mm-hmm. you know, since 2020, a majority of the people that buy houses bought something, that they felt like they were forced to buy because the market was so crazy. So right. it didn't necessarily fit their square footage they needed. It didn't maybe fit the location they wanted, you know, in a majority, a lot of those obviously have a lot of equity in those houses now. Mm-hmm. So if they were to sell, they could move to something else, maybe more desirable, more what they wanted. Um, so there's definitely, it's good time to reach out to people, even if they bought a year or two ago, you yeah. know, it's a good, it's a good, and you should always do that. Right. But, especially now if you're worried about the market, I mean, hop on the phone, reach out, stop by. I mean, you know, which clients you could, you know, call and stop by and bring them breakfast or coffee or whatever, you know, just do something to stay in front of them and get in front of them and you'd be surprised and maybe they're not selling, but they know somebody, you know, that is. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's 10% roughly is what they say. If you, you do a good job of following up and stay in front of the people you pass, you know, have sold in the past, that you should be able to pull about 10% of what you sold a year the following year.
0: Yeah, that's the number. So let's say you have 100 past clients that you've sold homes to in the last five years. You should expect, like when you're sitting down making a business plan for the next year, you should, you could, you should expect 10, yeah. right? 10 past clients, fear of influence, that's referrals, whatever. Uh, if the number is far below that, then it's a pretty good indicator that you're not doing a great job reaching out to them. But it was interesting. An agent told a story about, hey, I reached out to some clients. I sold a house to a year and a half, two years ago, too. Um, they were happy to hear from me. And all I asked them was, how are you guys liking the house? How are you liking the neighborhood? And they had moved here. Like a lot of clients in our, our market move here, sight scene, right? They're not as 100% familiar with the Myrtle Beach area, right? We're a big transplant market. And they love Myrtle Beach, but they don't like the area that they're in. Right. Or the house was too small. I, don't, I forget the the gist of the story. And they were ready to find something else. And he said, well, let's do that. So he got a listing out of it and now he's helping them find a new home. Yep. Um, and these are people that, like you said, had a very stressful buying experience in 2021 or 2020, where it was, um, a house would hit the market and there's like 15 offers on it. And you had to give your highest and best and you were kind of rushed into making a decision. That's not the landscape of what's happening right now. If you're a buyer right now in this market, there's inventory available. Yes, interest rates are a little bit higher, um, but you're not getting outbid. You can kind of take your time to make a good, the good and best decision for your family. And that stat that's thrown out there that I've seen, it's 60% of buyers who've bought a home since 2020 say, that in some way, shape, or form, that home does not suit their family's needs. Meaning like the realtor, you the realtor did not do a bad job in, in helping them find that home. They were just rushed by the market to make a decision and give their highest and best offer. And now they're having a little bit of buyer's remorse. Like the home's not big enough. The yard's not big enough. Um, the neighborhood doesn't quite suit them. Whatever that is. So it's a good time to reach out. And, and, and the agent said it without me even saying that stat. He said, I just asked him, Know how they how they're liking the house, how's the neighborhood? And I got all that out of them. And now, you know, a week later I listed their house and I'm helping them find a new one. It's worth going through. Sixty percent of the people you sold a house to in the last two years are in that boat. Yeah. So think about that.
1: Yeah. And so they get a listing out of it and and they buy something out. So that's amazing. I mean, do that five or ten times and you'll be pretty happy.
0: Another thing that was spoken about, and I thought it was is uh, both cool and interesting that um, it came up in uh, things that are going well. Is just keeping people up to date. Um, I've I've fascinated with and, and interested in in the last year or so. I feel like I always say like customer service has, has reached like an all time low. I don't care if you, if you go to a restaurant, everything's very automated. Um, if you, you know, a lot of times you don't even deal with people. Everything's through an app. Right. And I think everybody's so busy in terms of the real estate market. Restaurants have been understaffed for a year or two. Right. So, like, there's not a, lo- a lot of expectations around service. And he said, just taking a buyer through a transaction that kind of ran over a little bit and just reaching out to them, just checking on them, yeah, seeing I mean, if they needed anything.
1: Over communicating is better than the op- you know, the not communicating enough. And I, you know, I talked about that as well. Like, I, mm-hmm. on my trip to Vegas, you know, the first flight I got on, we got on the plane and they said, oh, it'd be 10 or 15 minutes. And then we didn't hear from them for another 30 minutes maybe five or 10 minutes and they did not hear from for another 30 minutes. So we were, we were on the plane for like an hour and 15 minutes. We maybe got two updates mm-hmm. and, and that's what I mentioned there as well. You know, you had some people getting pretty upset. Right. And I feel like if they would have communicated a little more instead of getting on every 30 minutes, then it'd be another five or 10 minutes. We didn't be on the plane for two and a half hours. Yeah. You know, so that's just a, something as simple as getting on there that, Hey, they're still working <laughs> through it. They don't really have an update of how long it's going to be, you know, and then people could, cause I ended up mix, missing my next flight. Um, luckily American Airlines was able to get me on another flight, which was about two hours later. But I mean, you know, even in that situation, like if they would have just communicated a little bit more instead of, you know, not giving updates, something as simple as just hopping on there, we're working through it. We're really not sure how long it's going to be or, you know, you know, how long it's going to be or, or whatever, but they didn't do that.
0: I'll give you the real estate example. I coach agents do that all the time. Uh, like a newer agent will call me and be like, Hey, the closing got delayed. Like my buyer's are already kind of upset about it. They thought we we're going to close today. You know, they expect them to move out of this house in New York, whatever. And as an agent, sometimes you're kind of powerless, right? Like you're waiting on something from an attorney, you're waiting on something from a lender. Um, and the best, you're kind of the go between, you're calling the lender, you're calling the attorney, and then the only thing you really can do is, is supply your client information. And sometimes you don't even have any information, right? Like there's no update. That's what I tell, and you said it, that's why I tell agents you go into over communication mode, Yeah. right? Over communication mode. I'm calling that client every day and they're going to know when they're going to hear from me next. Right. Like, Hey, um, I haven't, I haven't gotten an update from the lender. The lawyer told me this was, uh, we're still waiting on X, Y, Z, but I just want to call, reach out to you, give you that information. Honestly, I just want to see if there's anything else I could do for you. Is anything you guys need right now, right? Hey, when I hear back from lender or lawyer, regardless, if I hear back from them, I'm going to give you a call back at eight o'clock tonight, or I'm going to give you a call back at eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Just giving them that little bit of certainty of when they're going to hear from you next calms people down. Oh yeah. That's all they want. That that's all yeah, you want. Yeah, for plane. sure.
1: And just be honest, right? right. If, if I mean, just be honest. I mean, don't try to make a story up to make it sound better a lot of times that'll get you in trouble just mm-hmm. be honest with the situation and you know if you messed up or whatever just share that information i think you would you'd would see a lot more people a lot happier if you over communicate and and share with honesty and share what's going on
0: yeah um the other thing i i was teaching train agents around is once a week you should have your list of everything that's pending right a list of everybody that's listed right basically the clients you're working with right now and this should be time block. Something you do is every week you go to that list and you're calling each one of them with an update of some sort. Number one complaint people have about their realtor typically pressing is my realtor didn't contact me. I never hear from them. I have to call them. And one of our agents actually said it really well. He goes, I know if my, a client calls me because I didn't contact them, I know I'm not doing a good job taking care of them. That's usually an indicator that I'm not doing a good job. But I think a way you can add some certainty to that process is when I first start working with somebody, I tell them, listen, every Monday... Every Monday morning, I go through my list of everybody who's on the market or any buyers I'm working with that are in the contract. And I call and give them some sort of update. Would that be like, hey, we got no showings this weekend. Just wanted to call and touch in, see how everything, uh, touch base, see how everything's going. And then you always end the conversation. Is there anything that I can do for you? Yep. Right? Always end the conversation. Is there anything that I can do for you? A couple of things that does. Number one, if you remain a resource, even if you don't have any new information. like Maybe they need a, a number to a fence person for when they move in the house, whatever that looks like. You can easily get them that number and keep them flow with them and keep them happy. When it comes to uh, the end of that transaction, where it's time to get a review, right? We're a review based economy. Everybody Googles you before they, or Facebook searches you before yeah. they work with you. This is where that comes in the in the play where it's like you kept in constant communication and and exceeded expectations and customer service. That's how you do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's one, a lot of, the one complaint you see the most often is, is communication and lack of communication, you know, and if, if they just do that part, I mean, it'll make the transaction and the the experience so much better. And the one thing you talk about SOIs, you know, when you interview or when people are interviewed and they're asked like, why didn't you use the agent that sold you the house? And one of the most accurate responses are, are most the one we hear the most is i can't even remember my agent's name right yeah 100 percent. like i can't remember their name so i couldn't use them again if, if i wanted to because because I, I can't remember their name
0: yeah that's pretty incredible so guys just want to leave you one last thought kind of like the i guess the the mantra of what we talked about today is the market's getting hard that's not a bad thing you just make it your market go into the office every day or your home office whatever it is and do the work make the contacts find the people that want to do real estate transactions cuz they're definitely out there. Find them and talk to them.
1: Yeah, and turn off turn off the media and and stop reading the headlines. I mean, yes, we're in a recession, it shouldn't change what you do on a daily basis. Focus on what you're doing. Focus on, you know, what you're getting done and and that's what matters, right? Let's get out of this recession by getting back to work, putting in the work and doing what we need to do and stop listening to a government that continues to change definitions on things that have been the way they have been for a hundred years. Yeah. Just turn the news off. Yeah. Turn the news off. Listen to
0: audiobooks and and call your clients. And podcasts. (laughs) Yeah. Audiobooks, podcasts, and call your clients. Um, I'm sometimes so disconnected from news is a funny way to end it, but that like Kim will be like, Hey, did you see such and such happen? Even like local news. And I'm like, Nope. Like, like the apocalypse could be happening and I have no idea that's happening. Oh
1: yeah. (laughs) I'm the same way. I don't, I don't pay attention See it on social media sometimes but i i don't even i don't even click on them my wife would do the same thing i'm like no i didn't see that yeah all
0: right guys well have a great rest of your week have a great day and we'll talk to you soon noah make sure to smash that like button and subscribe all right have a great day guys